0: a lot of the scare is a little bit overdone. You heard it from my dad. Don't wear any condoms because it's all overblown. (laughs) No. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is a special episode. This is the pre-Origins episode. This weekend, a whole bunch of people get it together at Columbus for some gaming weekend. Really busy getting ready for that. But one thing that always kind of sucks about Origins is that it takes place via Father's Day. So this is also the Father's Day episode. And a little fact about me is that I have a great relationship with my father, now. When I was a child, I was definitely petrified of my father. And it's funny because I had a childhood friend, Justin. Justin is kind of a man's man nowadays. He works construction. He's a pilot. To this day, he says, you know, nobody scares me. No one really intimidates me. I uh, feel very confident. Except your father. Your father still makes me crap my pants. But speaking of which, I've got my father right here.
1: Hi, I'm Ellen's father.
0: (laughs) Okay. I'm glad you're here, Dad. I usually hang out with you every weekend, and we're going to talk today about some of our gaming experiences and maybe some even personal experiences. I think I could have an entire podcast simply about you because you've lived quite an eventful life. Do you think you've lived an eventful life? No. Okay. (laughs) I got to (laughs) remember... When I'm talking to my father, not ask close ended questions. Alright, this is the way it's gonna be. Let's get into this, Dad! Have you played any tabletop games recently?
1: Well, I've played some with you, yeah. which were, I have to admit, were a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And your mother and I always, we played Scrabble, if you consider that a board game. Yeah. And we've played Backgammon, which mm-hmm. I consider as a board game. And I go to Poker Night, which may Ooh. not be considered a board game, but I go to Poker Night with some friends. And other than that... No,
0: no, it's great. That is a lot. And I think most people consider poker a tabletop game, even though it's a gambling game. It is tabletop. It's funny because I play this game called Hocus and Hocus is poker. It's Texas Hold'em, but it has abilities. So it's kind of like the meeting of the traditional tabletop game and poker. But we'll talk about that another time. So one of the games that we played recently was Exit. Specifically, we did the version Exit Pharaoh's Tomb, I believe it's called. And that is based on an escape room. So it's like an escape room in a box. It comes with decks of cards. You have a scenario and we're trapped in the Pharaoh's tomb and we have to figure out all these puzzles in order to get out. And I remember I came over here, that was just like two weekends ago, and I said, "Hey, I have something we can do today. Let's try this." Now, I think the time limit was point-based, so the quicker you do it, the better. We did miserably. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like an hour and 20 minutes. How long did it take us, do you think?
1: <laughs> Longer. Than that <laughs> I don't remember but it seemed like a long time I felt like we totally failed
0: I don't think we failed cuz we made it out there's a hint deck and you lose points for every hint that you use that's valuable and we only use two hints now without getting any plot spoilers I don't know what your expectations were or what you thought of the game but what was your experience did you feel that we were trapped and that we were escaping and how did the mechanics flow for you
1: well a lot like you, I'm able to put myself in a situation where I feel like, yeah, I'm trapped and I have to get out of this thing. There are times when I feel absolutely stupid that I can't think of something to do. You know, you feel like, there's got to be something I can do that'll answer this question or get us out of this. I mean, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I was impressed with your ability. Oh, thanks. To, He was much better than I was at this game, which is embarrassing, but I'm getting old, so I... <laughs>
0: I want to paint the picture too. This is pretty funny. I bring the game and I I put it in front of you, dad. And I say, this is escape room. It's called exit. We end up destroying the game. When we're done, the cards will be destroyed. The box may be destroyed. And you looked at me, you said, well, that's bullshit what do you think of the idea that you actually have to destroy the game
1: well i think from a producer's standpoint i think it's kind of cool but i think i just hate to destroy anything for me it was just like well let's make a photocopy of it and we'll destroy the photocopy as far as
0: father-son activities go would you give exit a recommendation not that this is a review show
1: absolutely yeah it was it was fun it was fun particularly when i got to play with you and stuff you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) nice Here's the good news, there's three in the series so far. Exit the game, we played the Pharaoh's Tomb, which to our credit dad, I hear is the hardest one. I own the abandoned cabin, so we can play that one next time. And then there's also the secret lab. We like labs. You like labs? Well, I got the wrong two, I guess. We'll (laughs) save the best for last, perchance. Hey, I hate to interrupt my conversation with my own father, but we kept on talking about Exit the Game, and it got a little spoilery. But then our conversation moved into adventure games, and we mentioned parser-based games. Parser-based, for those unfamiliar, you would have to type in order to get your character to do something. So if you wanted your character to walk across the room, you'd have to type walk across the room. You have to type pick up a key there's still some games that are based like this for instance right now on steam there is the video game untold stories which has a segment in it that is a parser based adventure game but let's get back to my father's conversation in which i ask him dad have you ever even done an escape room
1: no, the closest I came to is the old computer games we used to play. Adventure games. Adventure games. I remember Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, Leisure Suit Larry, King's Quest, Space Quest. I have this toured past with you with games, actually. When I was a little kid, I couldn't type yet, and they were still parser-based, which, in my opinion, is way better than the mouse-clicking version that they use nowadays. What do you think?
1: I absolutely agree. I mean, you have to think more, and you also are developing a technical skill while you're playing the game. Absolutely. You know, and if you remember, I created that trauma program, and that was tech space.
0: So to fill everyone in, my father is obsessive, crazy, genius. I know I'm biased because you're my dad, but do you think that's fair to say, a little bit obsessive? (laughs) Yes. I think the Buddhists explain it as flow, where we get into something and everything else in the world disappears. And we work on this one thing, just think of it as intense tunnel vision for hours, sometimes days. And then when we come out of it, we realize, oh my goodness, I've been doing this for days. I didn't even realize I forgot to eat or whatnot. And you've gone through several phases of different tunnel vision focus. At one point it was model air You even built a model airplane repair van, Right. put on a whole bunch of pegboards and a construction table there. It was a plane dealer newspaper delivery van. It was great. The earliest obsession that I remember in my youth was that you programmed a trauma program. Now, who are you to program a trauma program? Let's dive into your past.
1: When I flunked out of college, I got drafted into the military and I was a trauma guy in the military.
0: We're talking Vietnam, right?
1: Yeah, I was in Vietnam. When I got back from Vietnam, I finished up my college and went to medical school with always trauma as an interest from my Vietnam experience. And then I was hired at Metro Health Medical Center in Cleveland to upgrade their burn unit and start a level one trauma system there. Uh, I was in charge of the emergency room. Uh, I I was an instructor for uh, advanced trauma life support, so I decided to develop a computer program that would train the medical students how to take care of trauma.
0: For the computer history nerds out there, what was the programming software you used? Because this was in the early 80s, yeah? Yeah,
1: this is the early 80s. I taught myself how to program on an old Atari computer. (laughs) It started out in basic and then I moved up from basic to quick basic and then from quick basic to visual basic and visual basic and now is a dead language, but you know, they keep replacing them all. But the trauma program was programmed in Quick Basic, which was all text-based.
0: So this brings it back to the adventure game. So basically it was an all text-based game, if you would, that was a simulator for trauma. So give me one classic example of I'm a med student and this is what your program would say, here's the situation.
1: Well, what was unique about the trauma program was that it was programmed so that it created a unique trauma victim every time. It wasn't a single victim. I created a black box kind of scenario where the victim would behave physiologically based on the injuries inflicted on it by the computer so that I could plug in any scenario and the outcome would come out. So if you started an IV and you gave a certain amount of fluid or whatever, their blood pressure and pulse would respond, but their hematocrit would drop depending on their bleeding rate and things like this. So the unique thing about it was that I could play it having programmed it and it would challenge me. And then what we did is we took medical students and we had them play the game. We gave them a trauma test before they played the program and then we'd have them play the program for a while and then we would give them the test again and they learned how to take care of trauma by playing this game. That information was presented at a national meeting as trauma scenario programs actually teach doctors how to take care of trauma. It's a pretty big deal. How much time do you think you
0: spent programming this trauma simulator? Probably four years.
1: I mean, (laughs) as far as hours, thousands of hours.
0: Yeah, I think when you say four years, you literally mean four years in front of the computer, not within four years, it was complete. No.
1: No, but I spent probably more time than I should have. (laughs) (laughs) programming that trauma program.
0: So you've gone through these different phases. We went through the model airplane one. You went through the trauma program. The tarot program, what is that?
1: When I got back from Vietnam, one of my Vietnam vet friends introduced me into reading tarot. And my first tarot reading told me that I was going to meet a dark-haired woman and went into a lot of detail. And shortly thereafter, I met Alan's mother. thought to myself, boy, that reading was right on. So I I got a tarot deck, and I started studying tarot, and I was fascinated by how it really could direct me in so many ways. When I, I wrote this tarot program, I was impressed by how, even though it was through a computer, how this computer program could predict things and tell things that otherwise I wouldn't even have thought of. That got me interested in the multiverse, and that's a whole other story about how if it can happen, it's already happened and how a computer, even though it's just a computer, can actually, by virtue of what I consider the multiverse, can actually look at situations that you aren't even aware of, how a computer can actually look into the future.
0: So you got a tarot reading when you came back from Vietnam, said you would meet and fall in love with a dark haired lady and there'd be a divorce involved. What's this? The plot thickens. What happened?
1: Well, when I met Alan's mother, she was married. She had was recently married, wasn't married very long, but she was unhappy yeah. in her marriage. And when I met her, she had separated from her husband. And once we got together, she divorced her husband. And then we stayed together from that point on. How are
0: you guys doing now?
1: oh, we're doing great. We've probably never been any happier than we are now.
0: So you recommend retirement?
1: Uh, You know, I recommend retirement when the time is right. Uh, For me, as a surgeon, there's a time when you have to retire. If I was a medical doctor and didn't have to require the physical dexterity, I probably wouldn't have retired. But as a surgeon, I could see my skills I mean, I'm not as good with my hands as I used to be. And I don't want to be one of these surgeons that people are saying, you know, he probably should retire because he's not what he used to be. And I wanted to retire at the top of my game. And I started noticing some tremor in the operating room. And I said, hey, it's time to quit. Nice. it's very rock star of you. Go
0: out on the high note. Speaking of your surgical past, I think listeners, when they're listening to this, they probably want to know, you have any memorable stories? What's the first one that pops into your mind?
1: Well, I suppose the most memorable stories are the most horrible stories. You get called in and you walk into a room and have to just take a knife and open somebody's chest and grab their heart and start pumping and put a clamp on their aorta to keep them alive and start manually pumping their heart while you're hoping that your team gets the blood in time and starts putting the blood in them, keeping them from dying. Because in trauma, majority of the time, the people die from lack of blood. And if the idea is to keep the blood in their system. Blood loss is what kills people in trauma.
0: And you've done this. You've pumped someone's heart with your hands until. Did anyone make it at this point? Have you saved anyone's life?
1: Oh, hundreds. Hundreds. Your mother got to the point where I would come home and she started refusing to wash my clothes because I would come back literally where my underwear were absolutely completely red with blood. And she said, I'm not washing these. And she just, <laughs> and she'd take my clothes and just throw them away.
0: That sounds heroic, but also awful. So many people are nervous around blood diseases through the blood.
1: Well, you know, back in the day when we were doing this, uh, this was uh, before HIV became a big issue. HIV was pretty much an unknown at that time. And the only thing we were concerned about would be forms of hepatitis. And at that time, what they call hepatitis C now was called non A, non B, because we really didn't know what it was. But we did not have the fear of blood in the 80s and early 90s like we do now. I gotta tell you another story. Okay, another story is now, this is when HIV was prominent. And this was when I was doing my fellowship in plastic surgery and I get called to see a guy who's got an abscess in his earlobe and he wants a plastic surgeon to take care of this earlobe. This earlobe is just swollen up the size of probably a cherry tomato and all red and and it's just full of pus. I'd stuck a needle in it first, and I drew this pus out. So I had this syringe filled with his pus. I'm cleaning this stuff up, and something happened that I injected this pus into my hand between my f- index and my long finger. This needle went in, and my <sighs> hand was on the plunger and the, and injected his pus into my hand, and I squeezed my hand, and I squeezed the pus out. After I was done, I found out he had AIDS.
0: Oh, my God. Is this your... Reveal that you
1: have AIDS? Well, no, but then I had I had an AIDS test and I was clear, but I thought, holy crap, do I have AIDS? I mean, I literally squeezed his pus out of my hand. That's, every time I hang out with you, I swear I hear a new
0: story somewhere in the mix of all the old stories. I would never heard that story before. Well, I
1: don't share it with a lot of people.
0: <laughs> I can see why. In fact, there's a lot of stories that you shared with me where I've walked away thinking, I wish he hadn't told me that. I wish I wish I could unhear that. In fact, I remember one specific story which I won't even bring up, one very specific time where I said, "Hey dad, do me a favor, never tell anyone that story ever." I also remember when I was 10 years of age, you had some type of burn unit discussion that you had to give in Philadelphia. It's the first and only time I've been in Philadelphia. And we walked into a games workshop. It's Warhammer. Do you remember getting into Warhammer 40,000? Oh
1: my God. (laughs) Oh my God, and painting those figures. I spent hundreds of hours painting Warhammer figures.
0: Yeah, it was Warhammer 40K and i remember that being an amazing blast too because you didn't just buy a few minis here and there we had full-blown tyranid army we had a full-blown orc army and a space marine army if i remember correctly
1: whatever i could afford <laughs> your mother hated me for that stuff
0: we had to clear out of space in the garage because you also made terrain how did you make the terrain i forget
1: well, we use that foam board and cut it with electric knives and glued it all together. and you know, this is basically out of the insulate, you know that foam board that used for insulation.
0: yeah, isn't there a way you didn't you melt mountains into it too Is't that yeah. the way it works?
1: Yeah, you cut it up and then you take a torch to it to melt it and get the little globules and things like that. yeah, I I don't remember all of how to do it, but it was one of those things that consumed me for a few months. (laughs) Yeah, if your life was a book, it'd be so easy
0: to label the chapters because each of the chapters would be your current focus, your current obsession. Warhammer chapter was great. I got to play these huge extensive Warhammer games. And when you made these terrain boards, it wasn't just a 24 inch by 24 inch board. It wasn't even a three foot by three foot board. They were
1: eight foot boards.
0: Yeah, yeah. it was to the point where we actually had to get one of those rakes that generals use in the movies to push. We got to move into the front line. Let's get the artillery in there. And here we're actually pushing
1: space Marines because we can't reach them with our arms. No, I tend to run in about three month cycles. You know, I, I. I I get interested in something, and if I don't finish it within three months, then I move on. I figured it out in my life. I've got about a 90-day attention span, and also I have a lot of unfinished projects laying around. A game that
0: makes me think of you indirectly is a game called Escape, the Curse of the Temple. Escape. Escape Curse of the Temple is a real-time game, and it's cooperative. Everyone's rolling dice at the same time, and you're moving your own figure, but you have to work together, but you also have to separate. You have a timeline before everyone gets trapped, and it's ten minutes. Each game's ten minutes long. So frantic! that you don't have time to mess around. If you need someone's help, you can't say, oh, excuse me, pardon me, Uh, stop what you're doing for a moment, could you? Thank you very much. Uh, When you get the opportunity, I need you to come into my room and help me roll some of these dice. But here's the thing about this game. It makes me think of you a lot because as a surgeon, seconds count. You're massaging someone's heart while you're waiting for the blood. You don't have the time to say, excuse me, could you please pass? And oh, it's okay, don't blame yourself for the mistake you just made. You don't have time for diplomacy at all. You just have the time to do what needs to be done to get the job done. And this is such a lame example, but as I'm playing escape, Some people have criticized me. I really pride myself on being patient and trying to bring out the best in people. But some people say, wow, you were so mean during that. I said, mean? What do you mean, mean? I don't remember yelling at anyone. It's just because there's no apologies. Like, this must be a fraction of what it's like. Because the stakes are winning a game, not someone living or dying.
1: I remember coming home on multiple occasions. I used to come home after a trauma call. Metro had this room 137 was their trauma suite. Victims would end up in there. And then I was the captain of the ship. And I'd come home to your mother and I'd say, well, I made three more enemies today. just because
0: you'd end up basically yep. yelling at someone. Yelling.
1: Yeah, and you know, and people in the professions, particularly doctors are not used to being yelled at. These doctors that worked under me, I would yell at them. You know, if they weren't doing their job, I would yell at them. Now, I would stay calm though. The the hardest thing to learn in a trauma situation is the guy at the head has to always act calm. Otherwise, if the guy in charge loses it, everybody loses it. it just goes to shit. I mean, real fast. So the first thing you learn is you have to be calm. On the other hand, you can calmly tell somebody, get the fuck over here. Or get that fucking IV in. Right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right. That's the magical thing because I've had many people tell me, there's something about your dad that makes me instantly respect him. I think it's just that presence of I don't have time for bullshit that must come with the field
1: of surgery
0: but hey I could talk forever but we're out of time so let's end with this what do you want for father's day dad
1: I'm almost out of vodka
0: more (laughs) vodka and I'll get exit the game I'll look for the lab one
1: and then maybe
0: we could do that instead of the cabin hey Thanks so much. And again, tune in next week where we will be talking about Origins. And the week after that, we'll be back to Nave Tonight Submissions. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R, ding. You can catch me on the Facebook or on the tweets. If you'd like to follow the show, we're also on Twitter, at PlayTKG. And please, write in as much as you can. We'd love to know your Father's Day stories. We'd love to hear your Night to Nave Submissions. That's podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. With a And with that being said, I believe this episode is. finished.
1: He had AIDS. Oh my god!